Hello, and welcome to Outside World Occultism, the number one Toho podcast on the internet by default. As an advance warning, today's episode is entirely focused on Wily Beast and Weakest Creature. If you are avoiding spoilers for the latter half and extra stage of the game, good luck. <laughs> I'm surprised you've made it this far. Uh, you have some real spoiler dodging skills. But stop the podcast now. Like, right now. If you continue, you will find out for me that Miko's horse has a cowboy hat. <laughs> oh my god. I am JT, and with me are Katja. Hello. Me. Oh. F. Oh. And Lavander. Oh. I totally forgot we were doing that, that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. So, or I guess, oh. 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 Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of that in, <laughs> in this podcast, good listener. So. Yeah, sorry, Advance. I hope you're ready for anyone to say, oh, in a sentence, and then everybody else stockpiles in, because I'm not going to fix that in post. <laughs> Where do we even begin? Like, do we break down the story? Do we talk about the characters? Like, what do we want to do first? Yeah, I think we should do them in order. I personally love our new bastard. We can finally call a character unequivocally nasty <laughs> and not have it be the one character we've roasted in every episode of this podcast so far. <laughs> Is it really a roast if they appreciate it, though? <laughs> It's still a roast if they appreciate it. I enjoy a good roasting on occasion. She's also the stage four boss, which is the beginning of the game, so... Just before we like actually go into it, Zun absolutely killed it. Knocked it out of the park. King. <laughs> Turtle. This game rules. It's so freaking good. I love it. I love the new Danmaku patterns because... I was kind of underwhelmed by Hidden Star in Four Seasons, honestly, because it was all one color a lot of the time, and I, I know that fits with the seasonal theme, but I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> in the last episode of the podcast, we talked about how Zun conveys characterization through Danmaku design, and I think that really hurt Hidden Star in Four Seasons, where it yeah. went for more of the game thematic touch rather than the character touch. Yeah, Toho is really character focused and Hidden Star making it story focused didn't do anybody any favors. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Hidden Star in Four Seasons, but I have to admit that it was not the best Toho game. Like it was more on the weaker side as far as Toho games go. And I think it's interesting because Toho is broadly setting focused. Yeah. But each individual stage and each individual game is the setting is informed through that character. Yeah. Weakening the character sort of... It's weird to call it development, but that's also the best word for it. It's developing the idea of the character, if not necessarily developing the character themselves. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, and in terms of the setting, I guess that Hidden Star gave us, I don't know, the land of the back door or whatever, but in a sense, Weakest Creature gives us a like huge new area to the setting, basically. And a really different one. Yeah. Which we see first in stage four to try and get us back to our Sailor Uranus lookalike <laughs> bastard that is Kichoyachie. We were sort of expecting it to be hell, and then hell was just... One stage. Like the train station. It was also the extra stage, too. 
Yeah, I'm quite glad that we didn't do another episode of speculation because we would have spent the entire episode talking about hell. Being very wrong. Yeah. Talking about like the Chinese emperor that we thought the final boss was going to be. <laughs> we would have just looked like fools. Zun knew that that was what people were going to assume too. Yeah. I think he really didn't like people guessing Okina so easily. <laughs> In case anyone missed it, we cancelled last week's episode because we had these real-life scheduling issues, but also because we were supposed to record on Saturday and the game wasn't actually coming out till Monday. So we only yeah. had some like blind yeah. speculation to go on and it would have been a kind of... Probably with these twists, it would have been a kind of empty episode. Not that we can't fill dead air. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's better to fill dead air when we have a plan to fill dead air. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the realm of beasts, right? Yeah. Yeah, the beast realm, which is a Buddhist cosmology thing. Yeah, and it's a weird take on the Buddhist cosmology thing too, right? Zoom just likes to partition everything off very nicely. I think in the conventional Buddhist cosmology, the beast realm is just... It's just literally being an animal. Yeah, being an animal in the same world as everybody else. Of course, Zoom considers humans animals, so he had to make it a different realm. But Toho's going like full planescape at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Kutaka's checkpoint like it specifically has portals to several different worlds, so it's kind of a planescape style hub already. It really is. I never thought about that. Well, Toho fan game world map designers, you have your (laughs) new hub level. (laughs) Oh god. Oh, that'd be so cute. And it's just like a little office and Kutaka's there. Yeah. Welcome to your hub. Have a chicken. And she tells you not to do things, and then you don't listen. You have to fight her whenever you go to a new world. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would work. That would work. Sometimes you just gotta fight a chicken to get where you're going. That's very true. (laughs) Why did the chicken cross the road carrying a knife to point at you? So, Yachie, right? (laughs) Yeah. We'll get to her eventually. I was somehow really taken like off guard by her design because she she really does just look unusually plain for kind of her character. Not yeah. in a bad way. Like I like her design. I think that kind of plays with her being a yakuza boss because besides wearing nice clothes, you don't usually see those types of people standing out as much. Yeah, yeah that's true. This game is about the furry yakuza. Yeah. Four factions of the furry yakuza and also God. <laughs> Yes. Kiryu plays Shin Megami Tensei. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But you just have to say it. Yeah, so we were all completely faked out by the hell setting and all of the hell stuff in the manga and stuff. We were all like madly trying to connect the dots. Yeah. No, this is about the furry Yakuza trying to fight a god. Yeah, everyone always says that Sun has a like a fake out in the first few levels, but I didn't expect it to be like this extreme. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't done a fake out like this since 10 Desires, really? It's been a while. Yeah, I think it was 10 Desires that was the last one, yeah. He liked to do more of those before that, though, because I know that before 10 Desires, a lot of the demos were intentionally set up to be misleading. Besides Mountain of Faith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mother of Faith is pretty straightforward. It's a mountain! There's faith there! Go get it. So, Kicho Yachie, our turtle dragon. Dragon turtle. She definitely has one of the longest profiles I think I've ever seen a new Toho <laughs> character have. Yeah. Yeah! It's got the entire plot of the game, like, explained in it for no reason. Yeah, but almost none of it is about her, actually. Zoom really needed to 
to put a manual in there instead of... Like, he needed to have a bit... An unlocked bit of the manual that you got after stage six instead of saying, Okay, yeah. here's Yakshe. Here's the entire plot of the game. Yeah, and it's so funny because yeah. it's like... She's specifically the stage four boss. You're totally misled for the first three stages and then... Literally right after you get this, well, not expedition in the game, dump. but yeah, you get this expedition dump that was like specifically left out of the demo. I guess that's one way to introduce people to what's going on. It would be nice to see an expansion of the manual and that kind of stuff in the main menu. The Legacy of Lunatic Kingdom had an, and I think that was really neat. Like it just had the main plot. With Toho in particular, it sort of harkens back to an older age of video games where you couldn't get much text into the game so you had to put it in the manual yeah i really miss getting like little paper manuals with game boy advance games that have yeah. like the story and like little cute art i do too i hated the manuals on the 3ds because they were just like oh open up this thing from the home menu to get a tutorial what if i don't want <laughs> it to look like the default 3ds yeah UI? <laughs> if i have the home menu on my 3DS open, I don't have the game open. And also I've hacked my 3DS to hell, so I don't even know if the UI looks the same at all how it looks in the manual at this point. Yeah, but probably at that point you don't really need the manual anymore. The default 3DS UI is ugly, so probably it doesn't look like that. Nintendo, please hire a UX designer. I mean, the Switch is fine. The Switch is fine until you get a large number of titles on it and need to, like, navigate your installed games. Yeah, there should be a shortcut for that. There should be folders. Yeah. Please. Or a search button. Anyway, we're off track. Yeah, manuals. Let's bring this back to Yachie. So she's the matriarch of the Kiketsu family, one of the animal yakuzas uh, in this game. There are four of them, and we only get to see three of them. We actually only get to see two of them, but we get the third one mentioned. In traditional Zen fashion. Yeah, but we get a member of the third one, but... True, but they don't get an actual drawing because they're kind of possessing you. Yeah. Each of the animal spirits that you choose at the start of the game belongs to one of the Yakuza gangs, and they possess you with unclear motives and are jumping into hell and then going to the animal realm, which is a different dimension altogether. To beat up some idols. Yeah. yeah. Not the singing type. <laughs> we find out that their motivation is that they've kind of got the same sort of human farm situation going on as Gensokyo does. Except a little more bastardy. Yeah, it's like a contrast to Gensokyo. They're reliant on humans for their labor, whereas in Gensokyo, they're reliant on humans for belief. They're also reliant on them for food, considering Saki's whole deal. <laughs> Big horse wants food! They specifically talk about, you know, humans are weak but very capable. And part of that, I'm sure, is my own completely unconcealed labor politics talking. <laughs> but... Oh yeah, it's definitely an allegory for... A lot of things in real life <laughs> because that's just how Zoon is. This game has a lot to say. After UFO, Zoon has just jumped directly into real life politics and started hammering it into his fans' heads with the giant mallet Seirenons. 
<laughs> I wouldn't even say after UFO. I would say after Imperishable Night and Bogetsu Show. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's just less clear until after UFO. I think he's grown increasingly impatient with people not getting it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's also grown pretty impatient with people not getting that yokai aren't humans. Yeah. yeah. Considering the whole, he's kind of just been introducing slightly more bastardist people every game and then expanding upon the fact that yokai aren't nice in the manga and people are just like ah they're so cute <laughs> yeah i mean i mean they are quite cute but that's not the point they're cute and they're bastards you have to appreciate both sides of them yes i guess we kind of have to talk a little bit about morality in toho because i've seen some conversations going around about how the human spirits in the animal realm are like slaves and enslaved and basically livestock for the animals. It is also a realm of dharma that's meant to punish humans, though. Yes. Yeah. I think we're definitely meant to feel sympathy for the human spirits, but... We're also supposed to understand the beast spirits' point of view just due to the fact that, well, they're beast spirits. Yachie refers to herself as a resource. Like relativism side, it's also, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a punishment. It's a lower realm of existence that you reincarnate to, right? Yachie and everybody else is being punished too. They're, it's just supposed to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you can like question if that system overall is like really very nice, but that's the... But that's just yeah. metaphysically how it is. I've also yeah. seen some people talking about how it's meant to be cartoon morality, so it's really not supposed to make you cringe if something bad happens, and I think that that's conflating the tone of different Toho works, oh, basically. Yeah. Hmm. It's meant to be a different sort of sense of morality. I think that's something yeah. Zun goes for, is to make you think of it in terms that aren't... Human. conventional human morality it wants you to think like how does this mindset arise especially in this game which is very focused on not only as, as a you know a contrast against Tokyo and then a few different real world allegories but the it's a response to the I think to the sort of trope of the animal world survival of the fittest sort of thing mm -hmm. in Yachia's profile it talks about how you know it was the strong rule as they desire right up until a few smarter ones decided to, you know, form large organizations and push the individually strong out of power. Yeah, even in a world that actually plays by these survival of the fittest, the strong dominate the weak rules, even in a world like that, working together and unionizing, basically, um, <laughs> cooperating is enough to overpower that and create a new order, which is the Yakuza gangs. Yeah. I think it's a very anti-individualist sort of view, and I think, and I actually kind of like that, because... Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it anti-individualist as much as anti-isolationist. I think there's a difference between the types of individualism we're talking about. Like, communal living isn't necessarily erasing the identities of the people because they're living communally. It's just making it so... They rely on each other and basically give each other a helping hand. You 
don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps because other people will grab your bootstraps for you and help you up. Yeah. And I think this conflation you're sort of talking about with individualism as, you know, you are an individual and individualism as you are on your own. I think the conflation of those two definitions has been pretty heavily exploited in the real world. It's quite relevant. Like a certain place that a lot of the members of this podcast live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can safely say that this is definitely one of the strongest themed Toho games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, very yeah. much. I think that Zune really likes to explore morals. And I think he's been recently experimenting with how the thematic structure of the game works out, right? Yeah. Double dealing character, there was a central theme sort of put in at the end that retroactively characterizes the early parts of the game. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily do so that well. I think it works a lot better in the later characterization of the people from DDC. And that's the issue that the DDC characters had. They weren't thematically tied together. They were tied to the theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Legacy of Lunatic Kingdom, less of an immediately thematic story and more trying to tie together themes from the previous games of the social unrest in Gensokyo, the urban legends disrupting. And that was sort of tied together as not only, you know, the secret mastermind behind Sumiriko and all her business, but the giving us a contrast to DDC and... It sort of tries to find that middle ground between background and, like, current themes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then Hidden Star and Four Seasons took a theme as the structural element of the game. Yeah. And then just tried to tie its characters to the history, which, mm -hmm. as we said, sort of didn't work yeah. so yeah. great. Yeah. Whereas I think that this is really a good happy medium. I hope that Zune continues in this vein in the future. Yeah. It actually provides food for thought on the themes rather than half-heartedly giving you the themes in the game. Whereas in the past, it's been half-heartedly in the game and then you get the full exploration of the theme and print works and stuff. Which I think has actually done a lot of harm for characters' characterization because then you get... People not really understanding subterranean animism's whole thing with the fact that sometimes you can band together even if you don't fit in in the proper world. Yeah. yeah. Because, well, a lot of the characters seem nicer on the outside than they are later expanded to be. So the banding together in the face of being disliked isn't as obvious. Yeah. A lot of times people, you know, don't consume every single piece of Toho media out there. So yeah. So they won't keep up with the manga, or maybe they don't play the games. People say alternative facts in Eastern Utopia doesn't exist. Yeah, that's, I think, a <laughs> pretty egregious one. So I think the fact that, like, all of the themes are very clear and present in this game is a very good thing. And yeah. it makes it... This may be one of my favorite Toho games. Probably my favorite at the moment behind Perfect Cherry Blossom. Hmm. My favorite is Imperishable Night, and this one's up there with it, honestly. This is definitely my favorite modern Windows game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's certainly the standout of, like, the current era of DDC onward, for sure. Yeah, I would hazard to say even Mountain mm -hmm. Faith onward. I can sort of argue subterranean animism, but I, I do think this is 
the best of the whole the modern windows after after mountain of faith i do love that there's more exploration of morality in the actual games too because a lot of the more yokai like stuff did stay out of the games yeah Yeah. Mm. and i think zun has realized with this something that he probably should have a while ago which is that the first impressions are extremely important for toho characters first impression be a bastard (laughs) (laughs) when all the background information comes from some print work like moms saw years later then obviously well it's going to impact stuff from then on but it's the first impression is already made and even if it's in the profiles yeah that too because not everyone reads the profiles and once the fan works have proliferated and an idea has become dominant there are still people who are mad at Symposium of Post-Mysticism for Nitori's characterization mm-hmm. as, quote-unquote, derailing it, when it's it's completely consistent with how she is in Mountain of Fae. Mm. And subterranean animism. And, yeah, definitely yeah. subterranean animism. But it's because they got the, the you know, Moe Moe Shy Girl. I feel like a lot of people are still stuck in the early Windows idea of everyone talks a big game, but the, then they go and have tea parties, and everyone's actually just really nice. They're not actually the kind of people who you might not want to hang around in real life. Mm. Or run into at night. <laughs> yeah, they're not the sort of people you want to uh, see in an Ikea as the sun starts to set. <laughs> <laughs> I would want to see Kosuzu in an Ikea as the sun starts to set, but like no other Tohos. Including yeah. Aku, because Aku would talk my ear off. Yeah. <laughs> Aku spends like 45 minutes trying to convince you of the benefits of each, or actually of the detriments of each type of bookshelf. Yeah, the Ikea has long since closed and you're still trapped in there with it. <laughs> the idea of like Kosuzu in an Ikea gave me the mental impression of her trying to read the names and wondering why they're all still garbled. <laughs> <laughs> the true Ikea Toho, though, is Renosuke. Oh, God, yes. Can <laughs> yes, you imagine? But... Oh, oh, God, I don't... He probably <laughs> works there. <laughs> Renosuke works at Ikea. That's your new idea for fun works, everyone. He's just set up his shop in, like, uh, one of those display houses in there. <laughs> I feel like we still haven't really breached the, gotten to the core of who Yachi is as a character. Um, well, yeah. 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 It's kind of hard to do that when she's just, she is basically the theme of the game as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which explains why her profile is just the plot of the game. <laughs> yeah. So she's the leader of the Kiketsu family, which is like the... They're all the animals that are, like, sneaky. They excel at bastard techniques, so it's appropriate that she's the leader. Specifically, surprise attacks, because there's a separate... The fourth unnamed group is things like your trapdoor spiders. Who does, like, poisons and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, but I wouldn't consider, like, cowardly methods of fighting, which is what the game describes them as, to be, like, bastard techniques. I think that's just... I think that being sneaky is more of the bastard energy. Yeah, I think the word used in Japanese is, like, more general than specifically cowardly. It's, like, low, like, Mm. dirty. Like a dark-type Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, low, crude, dirty, unfair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
They're proper Yakuza. <laughs> I really want to learn more about that gang. I wonder if this is like an actual genuine plot hook for something in the future in a Toho game, which is like, it would be... Knowing Zune, it probably won't be, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be like an absolute first. You could make a great fan game out of the Beast Wars, quote unquote. <laughs> We could make a whole episode of the plot thread that Zoom is never going to talk. Yes. Yeah. I guess. But yeah. I know some people get sort of mad and think like, oh, Zen needs to tie up every plot thread. And I'm like, that's just never been how Toho works and how Zen has worked as a writer. If this is some kind of plot hook for the future, it would definitely be a first, but it's so vague and also such a major plot point that like, it feels like it has to be, right? Well, the fourth diva, everybody thought that they were going to be too, but it's been ages since Kassen happened. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we never expected another sage either until Okina happened. Yeah. So I think Zun will build on previous plot hooks, but I don't think he resolves them. Yeah, that's true. He does a pretty bad job of resolving things when he does try to resolve them, in my personal opinion, so... Mm. Yeah. Wild Horned Hermit ending. Yeah. Forbidden School yeah. ending. <laughs> We'll do the post-mortem episode on that one sometime. Sometime when it stopped hurting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess now that Wily Beast is out and we know it doesn't tie into it at all is probably, yeah. like, getting there, but it's not today. The world isn't ready for it. <laughs> the world isn't ready for our wild and horned hermit hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> wild and hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> is Kasa not truly the hermit of hot takes, though? <laughs> She's more like the hermit of pinging people telling them to take their hot takes into a different channel, you know? <laughs> At everyone. She's not a mod or anything. She's just that one person who thinks, I should be doing this. Just mini-modding the group oh. chat. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yachie as a person, we don't actually have too much about her as a character. I think... She's a mafioso. Like, she's just straight up a gangster. She's very polite, and she, yeah. she makes it basically impossible for you to think about fighting her because she's just so polite. Give yeah. me your will to fight. No one can resist her or whatever. Give me your will to fight. There were, like, some spots in the dialogue that kind of imply that it's not just sheer charisma. It might be an actual ability, but it's still part of it. Yeah, it's definitely an actual ability. It definitely helps that she's stupidly charismatic. She's just yeah, look at oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> also got a really handy ability for being a bastard. <laughs> this is ending spoilers, uh, but no, I'm not gonna like talk about the ending in detail just because I know that Zun doesn't like that. So I got a bad ending the first time I played through the game because I just continued through to the end to see everything. Oh yeah, the bad ending with Yachi. See? When you get the bad ending and fail to defeat the final boss and all that, according to the lore, basically you report back to Yachi because the spirit is still possessing your body and she's like, well, you've disappointed us. It's time to kill you. <laughs> gotcha some shoes, Reimu. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take a long walk off a short mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, that's exactly how it plays out. And Reimu has to beg for a second chance. And Yache relents and is like, just don't forget you're disposable. Well, there's an image. Yeah. 
So she's just the most gangster-like of the Yakuza leaders, yeah. definitely. Saki just wants to beat you up. <laughs> so the, the three animal spirits belong to different gangs, and I think hers is the otter? Yeah. Yeah. The otter is so cute. Yeah. Yeah, there's the water film and all that. Which is very different from the otter spirit characterization. She's very out there compared to like uh, Saki and the wolf, I think, are much closer in personality. I think the otter is basically just the kind of person who's like, yeah, sure, I'll go along with whatever you say as so I can just get my way. The otter has a very sneak attack personality. Like they 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 play along. They're very wishy washy. Um, and then when you least expect it, the otter will stab you in the back. The guy on the internet that insists that they just want to be friends and hang out. And then you know, two weeks later, please send me pictures of your feet. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. Look, it's not me on the chat until I've successfully horrified everyone I else in the this. Of metaphor. Oh my god. So now that um, we've, yeah, I... we've got the cursed image of Reply Girl Otter Spirit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the next boss? Please. Yes, please. Stage five is this like metropolis, full on glowing red skyscrapers cyberpunk it looks like a modern city which is really weird for toho though it's probably just magical not actual technology yeah Mm. but i mean it's definitely meant to resemble a modern city and reimu comments on the atmosphere being incredibly suffocating which uh definitely not saying anything about anything right guys (laughs) hasn't he done that in the manga already (laughs) yeah Honestly, I am astonished by people's complete inability to read into the political undertones of things that they don't agree with. Yeah. That's just how people are. And I'm uh, I'm not saying that Zun is a primmy or anything like that, but <laughs> I do think that he is saying something about the... Modern civilization, at least, not necessarily civilization as a whole. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I was sort of talking about this a bit with Yachie and them. We see humanity is sort of, you know, quote unquote, like feudal serfs or whatever. And then you can view Mayumi and Keiki as sort of symbolic of technology where it's risen up and the, the old order has collapsed. But that doesn't mean that people's lives are better under the new order. Yeah. It's change, not necessarily improve. Yes, yeah. that is the key right there. Like, would I be happier living feral in the woods than I am right now? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote a paper in college about, like, scientific progress and technology. Like, it not actually being quote-unquote progress, but just, like, change. Yeah. And not necessarily, like, being inherently an improvement or inherently good. Yeah. We should probably talk about Mayumi. Mayumi is like a Haniwa statue. She resembles one of the more detailed later era Haniwa statues. She has a club that's one of the older ones though. Like a sword or a club or whatever it is, she's holding one. Another thing I wanted to mention is that the stage enemies in stage 5, the little fairies, they all have little hair buns, just like uh, Miami. I thought that they were supposed to be animal ears to start off, but they would probably be pointed if they were that. So I think they're probably just supposed to be... The totems. Yeah, I think it's implied that they're just sort of this similar designs to Miami, who is an artificial person. She's made out of clay. And water. Don't forget the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A clay- Keiki doesn't forget the water when she's threatening you. <laughs> That's true. 
She's also notable in Zun character design terms as someone with a very standout different skin tone. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's meant to be because, you know, she's made of clay, so obviously... Yeah. It... I like that there's a lot of different skin tones in general. There's... In this game, Eka, yeah. there's Mayumi, and then there's somebody we're going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be a cowboy, baby. Yeah, everyone's still relatively pale, but there is a degree of spread in skin tones, which is pretty new for a Toho game. I hope it continues. Yeah. She's a Haniwa. She's a statue. I, I, when, we, when she was first revealed, I, I think we all thought that she was a terracotta soldier because we were all still stuck on the Chinese empire yeah. thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, she serves the same effect, basically. Yeah. You could very easily confuse her for a terracotta soldier. Yeah, I mean, close enough, right? Mythologically wise, that she does sort of the same thing, guarding tombs. Yeah, that's true. Think about it, terracotta is like a pretty general term, so... If you have a clay soldier guarding a tomb, then I think you can call a duck a duck. Yeah, when I say terracotta soldier, I mean specifically thinking of... The Chinese ones, yeah. Again, sort of tying into it, I think she's representative of sort of robotic labor and things. Because like even in her profile, they talk about, you know, humans and animals will be replaced with Haniwa. Because it can be repaired, they don't need rest, they don't get sick. They're the ideal workforce. Welcome to Cyberpunk. This is a secretly Toho does Cyberpunk. We have the Yakuza, we have AI labor being used to exploit, you know, people. We have benevolent air quotes robots. And it still works within like a fantasy setting and it sort yeah. of takes that double take to think, wait a minute, I've I've seen this plot before. <laughs> it's just that they'd have computer. Yeah. And yeah, but... computer. Oh yeah. And then talking about Mayumi, her design is, of course, really interesting from that perspective because it's a Haniwa statue. We're going back, I think, to Yayoi period pottery. Mm -hmm. So she's very antique and in the middle of a futuristic looking city and at the centerpiece of this cyberpunk metaphor. And she's very antiquated in visual style. And then, of course... There's also a Yayoi period tomb at the center of the city where you see your boss fight. Right. And and then, of course, if you go back to Yashe for a moment, she's wearing a very contemporary outfit that fits in perfectly with the big cyberpunk city, which I think when we talk about Keiki and mystery Yeekaw character, yeah, <laughs> I think that develops a very interesting theme with the, uh, the different outfits and styles the characters present. And, of course, Mayumi is the... Uh, functional lesbian compared to Yachi's distinguished lesbian and Keiki's disaster lesbian. (laughs) All art teachers are disaster lesbians. That's true. The other thing I think that's interesting when you talk about Mayumi's sort of old style outfit, I think it fits with the thematic sense of the game of progress versus change, right? Because you have this modern institutional system as represented by an archaic Mm -hmm. artifact. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's just really cool. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing the Shin Megami Tensei discourse <laughs> out when we get to Keiki because it's very similar sort of thematically. And I think Toho has historically been not the best at conveying a theme mm-hmm. centrally. Yeah. yeah. It's been much more of a conveying information about the world rather than using that as a explicit allegory. Mm-hmm. 
I think as Zun's gotten older, he's been more accepting of putting his themes into his work because he's gotten assured of the fact that he's not young and stupid now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's really kind of hard to understand how serious he's sometimes being when he talks about how clueless he's about his own work. But I think he's definitely like realized that he can be serious with the series. I think yeah. that the last time he's talked about being clueless about his own work was all the way back in Symposium of Postmistics. Yeah, that's a while Nowadays, while he's been really talking about his themes in his interviews. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely yeah. clear that he's been putting a lot more thought into his work. I mean, the way his characters change after he initially creates them, that's something that most creators can't control. And I think he has always had a bit of a mind for thematic works, because if you look at Dolls and Pseudo Paradise, which is brilliant, it's the best. The Hifu CDs are all very... The Hifu CDs are where Zun's use of themes and his use of politics come out most strongly. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Even Other than start. Alternative Facts. Mm, alternative yeah. Facts is an outlier. <laughs> should have been alternative counted. facts i think is zun gets blitzed while watching politics news <laughs> and it's like you know what i saw someone wearing a momiji shirt in that crowd and i am just gonna tear them apart <laughs> <laughs> so part of the reason that the animal spirits had to possess uh reimu or marisa or yomo is that Robots ain't got no souls. Yeah, the clay statues don't have souls. They're just physical objects and they can't be hurt by the animal's spiritual attacks. But since humans have both bodies and souls, they can be possessed and they can attack the thingamabobs that I forgot the name of because I'm stupid. The honey. The honey. Honeywa. Yeah. Honeywa, yeah. The honeybees. <laughs> I think that there's already been a bit of confusion about how they're supposed to interact with anything else if they're 100% spirit or whatever. But I guess the series has always been kind of vague about how spirits and ghosts work and all that. It's just kind of odd that it's like a central plot point this time. Yeah, I think the way that it works is however it needs to for the story. Yeah, you can punch a ghost, but a ghost can't punch a rock. Yeah, like it's a different setting altogether from Gensokyo, so the rules can be whatever you want them to be. Yeah, but now the characters are like coming to Gensokyo, so that's going to be interesting. Well, Keiki is. No, Saki is yeah. too. Yeah, Saki is the, like the big question mark here. Saki is also a historical being, unlike other Beast Realm people we've seen, so... Anyway, we'll get to her. Any more Mayumi thoughts, or do we want to just get into Shin Megami Miku? Let's have some cake. I think a lot of Mayumi's character comes through in the next bosses. Yeah. She doesn't really have much of a character of her own because she's, well... Yeah, she was constructed, and the person who constructed her is the next boss. Basically, all she shows is just the design quirks that Keiki has. Like a side note, I get kind of a, I don't know, a basic Yomu vibe from Mayumi, but I guess it's just like the, the hair style and being a soldier like serv servant she also has sort of the personality yeah it's interesting to me that she does have like sort of a personality like i think it's probably just keiki's design quirks like i said keiki's idea of well what would this kind of being be like hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting we'll see i think we'll definitely see keiki and them in the future we're we'll do another Accu book now Please. It's been four games.
Fingers crossed. Let's have metaphysical talk, please. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah, Zun, Zun, please clear up all of this. My crops are dying. <laughs> you spilled your metaphysics all over my beautiful rows and rows of basil, and it's just, I, I, all of my soup tastes like philosophy. Please, Zun, clean this up. My, my crops are dying. I think it might be a god. Please help. Um, so it's time to talk about Keiki, who is just absolutely outstanding design. I really thought that Kutaka was going to be the peak of the character design in this game. <laughs> and I do still really love Kutaka with all of my heart. I Kutaka is adorable. Yeah, I think she's my favorite character design in this game, but she doesn't have that much to her character. Like, she's a clerk. Flustered all the time. Yeah, she's a chicken who works an office job and <laughs> in hell. And she goes begok. Yeah, and she goes begok. <laughs> And she's wonderful, and I love her with all of my heart, but there's a lot more to say about Keiki. And god, I love Keiki so much. Keiki is so good. What an amazing design, first of all. There's gonna be some great cosplay of Keiki. Yeah, I- Keiki's design is honestly one of the best Toho designs that there has been in the recent times, because- yes. Zune wasn't really afraid to give her a lot of details that showed her character, which I feel yes. like he's been afraid to do recently because people were getting on his case about his designs having too many details. And I think the difference now is that he's learned a lot more about how the details can convey information rather than just how the details can, you know, frill up a design. Yeah, like, yeah. like Okina is very detailed, but she's not like Romelia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okina comes off as ostentatious in her detail. And that's sort of how she's supposed to be. She's very grandiose. She's mm -hmm. very... She's the sort of person who'd cover themselves in constellations and gatecrash a party sort of thing. Mm -hmm. With an air horn? Um, Do you want to quote yeah. your post on that? Do you want to quote oh, yeah. your post on God. that, JT? <laughs> Uh, yeah, something about, about, like, drifting into your driveway in her sports car and Maya and Satono have air horns. I don't remember the exact phrase, but yeah, I did it say that before. It was the three sages as party crashers. I know the post you mean. I don't remember the exact wording, though. <laughs> but, yeah, that's basically the general gist. Okina, if she is not invited to your party, will pull up to your shrine in a Mercedes-Benz with the top down have Maya and Satono stand up while the car is moving and <laughs> set off their air horns. Yes. And then she'll Tokyo drift away. <laughs> yes. So Okina, we get that sort of grandiosity through her design, which I think is easier to convey with detail, whereas you don't get that looking at Keiki, yeah. even though there's a similar level of detail. Yeah, Keiki just looks, she looks like a tired art teacher. Keiki has absolutely tremendous lesbian ceramics teacher vibes. That's exactly what I think of when I look at her. I feel like I definitely know like a Keiki in real life. I have quite a few friends who do ceramics and like Keiki just makes me think of them. Ceramics people are all like Keiki. <laughs> Except yeah. with like maybe the cyberpunk bits. Fact. Yeah. So her stage is like a cyberpunk nightmare. Just computer screens, ever well, not not even computer screens, but just like slabs with like electronic like gibberish on them, like error messages and stuff. Yeah, there's hexagons everywhere. There's also some ASCII that I think reads out into a few things, but I haven't bothered to 
put it into a binary Ooh. decoder yet. Interesting. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Someone should do that. Oh. I don't oh. think that. Oh. I think that. It's, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> it's just an endless loop of Cakey and Joseph Joestar for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um. I think that they probably don't mean anything interesting though, because Zoom usually takes the patterns from online databases. Yeah. Uh, um, it still would be interesting to translate them. Yeah. Maybe um, it says "oh, create" or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so Keiki is a god. She's the god of. Um, what is she, the god of sculpting? Like clay working? I think she's like a that? god of sculpting, yeah. yeah. She is one of the more prominent ones because she's, she's uh, Nagi's kid. Yeah. I wasn't sure if she was Izanagi's or Izanami's, but I think she's Izanagi's. Hmm. Uh, one of the two, definitely. First, I want to mention that in her sprite, she's just like holding a bunch of clay carving tools, like daggers. Like if it was Sakuya holding knives. like. It's so valid. That's how she's wielding her clay tools. And she is the person responsible for... So the, all of the human spirits are kind of kept in this, like, garden area called the Primate Garden. And it's the one place where all of the Yakuza gangs get together and don't fight or, like, get into conflicts and stuff. Because to them, that is, like, a communal, like, resource that they all work towards maintaining. Yeah, like the human village. Yeah. So exactly like the human village, except like with different purposes in mind. Yeah. And um, explicitly subjugated too, rather than... Yeah. Instead of being like a terrarium project where they're sort of kept unaware of their subjugation, they're at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. The different beast spirits use different words for them too, because I know like the, the wolf calls the humans prey, mm-hmm. and the eagle calls them slaves. What does the otter call them? I don't know. I haven't done the honor route. Friends. I didn't check. <laughs> Pal. <laughs> In the Yakuza sense. Pal. Hey, buddy. Also, just coming to think of it, if Keiki is a daughter of Izanagi or Izanami, that would make her one of the Amatsukami, wouldn't it? Which would be our first non-Lunarian Am- Amatsukami. Hmm. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. I can't believe Miku and Luka were Izanagi and Izanami all along. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> yeah, her parents are Miku and Luka, we've decided. <laughs> well, they yes. already had one daughter in Fire Emblem. So. <laughs> <sighs> one daughter in every, in every game. One daughter in every new game in 2019. <laughs> yeah, so she's responsible for converting the human primate garden to... Into a cyberpunk city instead of like a... Yeah, it's like a, a horrible cyberpunk nightmare. It's supposed to be like a place full of trees and greenery, which is... It's mentioned by the wolf spirit. I think it's mentioned by most of the spirits. I haven't played the other ones, so I don't know. I literally managed to one cc the game like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Like a really distant <laughs> clap. Um, I can't believe you're the only one here to support me. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like this technological nightmare instead of what it's supposed to be. And the wolf is pretty mad about that. 
I assume the other spirits are as well. And then you run into her and um, the wolf is like... You try to run away from her in the first place. First you run into her and you meet her and she doesn't even believe that Reimu is a human at first because the wolf starts yelling at her about how it's over for her because I brought a genuine human here to beat you up. She like doesn't even believe you at first and then Reimu convinces her and she's like, oh, well, you're just kind of a fool then, oh. aren't you? Hmm. And then she starts to fight you. And the music swells very dramatically and the stage starts glowing red and the stage starts receding. Like normally when you're playing Toho, the stage moves forward. But in this case, the stage starts receding because you're freaking running away from her in terror. (laughs) That was like such a good use of very simple game mechanics to just convey like, wow, there's... This is a powerful person. This, like, really powerful mood. Like, it was amazing. Just absolutely outstanding. This game is an achievement. It's so good. And I love the Danmaku patterns. I can't say this enough. They're just... They're so gorgeous. Yeah, she's got, like, beautiful star flower things going on that are, like, shooting stars. Just absolutely amazing. We never talked about the other characters, Danmaku. I like Yachis a lot because I just like her turtle spell card. I just realized that that was supposed to be a turtle shell. I just thought of them as cubes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad naughty shrine maidens are placed in the shame cube to atone for their sins. <laughs> yes. I really liked the, the expanding and contracting circles a lot. We haven't had new Danmaku sprites or new like enemy sprites for a very long time. The little Haniwa. That I believe Mayumi and Keiki both use? Yes. I think that Keiki only uses them for one spell, but yeah. Yeah. And also, I think the arrow, Danmaku are new. No, they're not. They were super used in Ten Desires. Oh, yeah, I haven't beaten that one yet. I really should, honestly. That's because the arrow Danmaku are the most annoying. (laughs) (laughs) They have basically similar hitboxes to the arrowhead Danmaku, but then... They look weird, so they mess me up. So are the tails on the arrows part of the hitbox or no? No. Which oh my is God. why I was saying they have similar hitboxes to the arrowhead Donmaku, but they just don't look like it, and that annoys me to no end. Yeah, that makes it so much and harder. And that's part of the reason why I haven't one credit cleared ten desires on normal, even though I've done that for every other Shoho game. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I I I beat Wily Beast on easy mode. <laughs> yes, I well, I haven't done Wily Beast yet, but I'm closing in on it. I believe in you. Thank you. I hyper-focus on these games. I'm bad at shmups, so I'm going to live vicariously through the rest of you. <laughs> so Keiki starts, like, chasing you down, like, out of the city. You're, you're just losing your mind trying to escape. Pure animalistic terror, I imagine. Which is very funny. Yeah, which is what the wolf is feeling. As you fight her, there's a moment where the wolf is like, okay, you've done enough. Our pals are here. And then just, like, a bunch of the corresponding animal spirit pops up and you just kind of get unlimited hyper mode. Yeah. Which is absolutely ridiculous if you're at, in Otter, which is why I'm so close to 1cc in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Otter Shield is nuts. It does let a few in, but unless you stay completely still, it doesn't let enough in to be dangerous. Yeah, I have gotten killed yeah. many times with the Otter Barrier just when trying Otter runs. That, like, I'm just annoyed at it. 
I do like the extra bombs that it gives you, too. Yeah, I think, like, the proper strategy with it or whatever is to just sit, like, directly on top of the boss's, like, Damaku spawn points and just wipe them out with each wave. Yeah. Um, the others do damage, too. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good to know. So, yeah, you are, in fact, supposed to do that. Then you defeat Keiki with the power of friendship and gangster reinforcements. <laughs> the real friendship was the gangsters we met along the way. That pressured us into going to a completely different dimension. Yes. Yeah, the ones that threaten to kill you if you fail. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I don't really want to talk about to like spoil the ending because yeah we won't spoil no. the ending because yeah. yeah I think the thing to talk about also with Keiki uh, and again I sort of joked about you know her being this being Shin Megami Toho is she's very much sort of the law faction in, in SMT terms and I'm look play Shin Megami Tensei it's like 2019 why haven't you played Shin Megami Tensei you're listening to a Toho podcast like you're clearly a weeb people like Persona more even though it's worst game series I've never played Shin Megami Tensei in my life wow yeah but you've played Shin Megami <laughs> Which is <laughs> I've never played Persona either. Look, at least I knew to shut up about it. So, uh, big plug for SNT aside. Play Nocturne. Keiki is the sort of the law faction. She's the control and order type. And she's, which normally I'm not, you know, SMT usually has them be flaming assholes. Because that's how to make chaos look good. But in, in this, she's pretty yeah. much non-malicious. She's just sort of a paperclip optimizer. She's genuinely nice, and she tries to convince Reimu that, like, what she's doing is good because she's protecting the humans from being subjugated by the beasts, but they just kind of ended up getting subjugated by the clay idols anyway. Yeah, so it's not really a difference in situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which I guess you could play back into the theme of change versus progress yeah so the human spirits yeah. are not technically exploited anymore but they are subjugated no one can exploit you if you're tied to your bed all day long and unable to you know go or do anything yeah she's kind of um like too overprotective basically helicopter mom <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes so so there are multiple like characters in this game with mom energy so thank you soon for the moms to add to the list of toho girls thank you soon thank you soon for the moms yes thank you soon for the moms and three whole moms three whole moms wait who's the third there's kataka arumi and keiki oh yeah i think we're probably kind of inclined to take her more positively because of the mom energy that's true and i think also because She's the one protecting humans, even if her means for it are, you know, oppressive. Yeah, we're naturally more likely to sympathize with humans because, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically, I'm monkey. Yeah, we've got a bit of bias on this podcast. Uh, Unfortunately, none of us were able to be possessed by any baboons to provide the counterpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Although I do have super strong yokai bias myself, so I balance it, maybe, sort of, not really. Yeah, I think to be a Toho fan, you have to. You have to at least be able to look at things not just from the perspective of humanity. Which people still manage to not do because they want to make the series just harmless, but they 
Whatever. Or they want to be all HFY about it, you know. Yeah. A whole different uh, rant from the <laughs> I'm not on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the thing with Keiki is the humans of Gensokyo are a resource, but they're not exploited, right? They're... They're farmed sustainably. Yeah, they're like free range. I feel like they're definitely exploited yeah, in Gensokyo, but... I would say. Well... Yeah, yeah they're not... Yeah, I mean, that's a... They're not aware of the exploitation, basically. They're utilized in Gensokyo, but they aren't, you know, exploited in the sense there's not... People aren't forcing them to to work. They're not... Yeah. Basically, they're allowed to do whatever they want as long as it's within the village. They need to be human, but they don't need to do anything more than be human. And if you leave the village and manage to survive that, then, well, you can do whatever the hell you want. And in the Beast Realm, the elements of humanity are unimportant, right? You don't need to believe anything. You don't need to think anything. It's just that these are laborers that we can exploit. They're, you know, clever. They're they have hands. able to do things we can't, but we have all the power over them. Yeah. Yeah. And so Keiki, as the disruptive force to that, I mean, she is, like, the hopes and dreams of, of yeah. humanity in the beast realm. Yeah, they literally, like, she's the yeah. god that they pray to. Mm. Yeah, they prayed her into existence. Or, like, at least presence, if she's, like, already existed. But, yeah, that's just it. They prayed her body in the beast realm into existence. Okay, fair. But she doesn't understand... And even argued probably the human spirits don't understand that the the humanity was what was missing rather than stopping the exploitation. So she goes out and she stops the exploitation of humans by the beast spirits, but she doesn't actually improve conditions of humanity. She just says, you know, nothing can hurt you if I lock you up. Well, I've stopped this certain thing that you asked me to stop, so everything is fine, right? Yeah, she offers protection (laughs) without emancipation. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and obviously there's the connection that a lot of people have already made is obviously to, like, the archetypical, like, AR rebellion, like, uh, something from Wally. I think a lot of people yeah. have mentioned that it's obviously the allegory being made here that the honey warp, like, we already said the honey warp basically robots, and this is the example of like the robots taking over they are clearly meant to represent um like automation and the Mm -hmm. challenges that that presents Yeah, they're also tomb guardians and at the core of the city is a tomb so i think zun is which is probably where the humans are since you don't see any humans in the final state zun i think is very clearly uh being very subtle here in suggesting that keiki's society is functionally dead and it's also not very, I think, in line with her ideals, because while her stage and her city are all very technological and intimidating, her outfit, her design is very utilitarian and humble, comparatively. It's, you know, the art teacher. Well, she's a creator, right? Like, that's her other, her little line is yeah. the create. But her society, she's only producing these Haniwa. She's, there's no... It's, it's very sterile. And I think this ties in a lot to the Ceiling Club CDs Ooh, and yeah, things, too. Yeah, it's a lot like the society of the Ceiling Club <laughs> oh. era, isn't it? Except with less capitalism. <laughs> less direct, uh, but still, like, the allegorically. But it's very much the... 
idea of they've solved the problems, but there's nothing They've there. solved the problems, but they haven't really created a purpose for themselves besides solving problems. Besides yeah. small amounts of people like Rinko and Mary. Yeah. The, the top of the pyramid of yeah. needs is mm-hmm. just not there. Yeah. yeah, And then there's the uh, interesting Yukari connection, too. Going all the way back, I think, to Perfect Memento, where the sources page has Yukari writing a book called The Higan of Computers. Mm-hmm. Shikigami, we have all the mm. jokes about how they're programming. They're basically... I mean, it's not really jokes. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're computers. Computer science yeah. is magic. And that comes right back around with Keiki and her giant yeah. magical error screens. That's very funny, considering that... Zoom's basically a mathematician, so he's saying, I'm magical, guys. <laughs> I don't think that's the intention of <laughs> Speaking as the mathematician on the podcast, we do actually believe <laughs> Zoom is, in fact, magical. I can buy that. He is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do we have any more cakey thoughts? I think we're done thoughts? eating our cake. <laughs> All right, can I get a yee-caw in this chat? Yee-caw! <laughs> oh god i'm pretty sure none of us thought saki's design was real when she leaked no we didn't yeah. no yeah not really like she is the perfect storm of fake toho leak but she's she's real i want to be a cowboy baby <laughs> we were all literally uh. Like, the hype for the release, everyone just fervently, like... Hoping that she was real. Checking for news on, like, every available site. Like, trying to catch all the new characters, (laughs) losing our minds over them. Absolutely incomparable to when we first saw Saki and we were like, that's fake. There's no way. And then we saw more leaks (laughs) of Saki. Leaks were happening. Nobody had actually gotten to that point of the game yet. Nobody had gotten to the extra stage. So we were just like... And then there was a stream that finally got to the extra stage. And we yeah. got it confirmed, and she was actually a Yakuza Pegasus. Yeah, we lost our minds. We all thought she was a chicken girl like Kutaka. No, she's a horse. I thought she was a crow. But she's a... I really didn't notice her long hair until a couple of hours afterwards. Yeah, I just sort of had it filed under Kutaka's bird yeah. But no, she right? has a ponytail and, like, and a ponytail. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here's, here's an absolute... Yeah, sh- horrible concept i want to run by you guys oh thanks uh what if instead of a ponytail it's a mane that runs all the way down her spine oh i hate this oh god i can't believe that that's only the second worst thing someone has said on this podcast today (laughs) (laughs) i'm right though this episode was the real hell you're not right i won't accept this Um, so I'm so sad I slept through the whole like release hype. Oh my god, it was so much fun. I love Toho release hype. It's such a special time. Just the yeah. fact that we got Kutaka Little Nas remix, like as a character <laughs> who exists. Miko takes her horse to the Old Town Road. There's already a mashup of her theme with Old Town Road. Yeah. Yeah, it came out within like a day. Oh, also I don't think we've mentioned this, but she's not just a Pegasus. She is specifically Prince Shotoku's flying horse. So she's Miko's horse. That trampled several houses. Miko's yeah. horse clipped through hell to become a Yakuza boss in the Beast World. Sometime after <laughs> Miko sealed herself in her tomb in order to become a sword zombie. Good for her, honestly. 
I'm glad to see that she made something of herself. They're both very successful. I guess there's just something infectious about Miko. <laughs> I don't think she was a Pegasus in life. She was just a flying horse. <laughs> and she, so she was conflated with Pegasus by Zun, as Zun does. Yeah. She actually could only fly in real life because she had super strong legs, and that's been maintained into her toho form, which made every lesbian in the fandom die instantly. <laughs> <laughs> the word used for jump and fly is actually the same mm. in Japanese, so it's totally ambiguous if she's if she was actually a flying horse or just a horse that can jump over Mount Fuji. But so I think that's part of where the whole leg strength yeah, thing so comes from. She does have unmatched leg strength. That's her big ability. That's her that's her deal. I think I already mentioned this to some of you, but in the like original myths about the Kainakura Kainakura Koma, which is, you know, the horse that she is mm-hmm. named after. The uh, after the whole jumping over Mount Fuji thing, she I think the like pages talking about this actually had a question mark after it because it was so random. But she trampled over like a farmhouse. Oh my god. And then didn't Miko send her to a temple to repent? Yeah, she, Miko sent her like to a different palace or a different temple. But then she started sulking and not eating and attacking people. So Miko sent a messenger to tell her to behave and eat her food. <laughs> Naughty horses get put in the temple wiggler to atone for their farmhouse <laughs> sins. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Saki is going to trample the Hakurei Shrine now that she's going to come to Gensokyo. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. I mean, it does have a soul she's in gonna... it. It's got the Hakurei God in it. That's true. Yeah. Imagine, though, Miko sending her to the Miran Temple to repent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's the boss of the gang, the Kega family, which is the gang that the wolf is, and it's all of the creatures who are just like super strong. Yeah, they're strong and powerful, and they value might. She is in this game because she hears that Keiki has been defeated, and she's like, oh, well, then it's time to take over. It's time to make my move. Mm-hmm. Then she goes to hell. Yeah, she's like, I'll take over the animal realm, and then check out hell and i'll check out the human realm and i'll take those over too and then the world (laughs) yeah unlimited power she's very ambitious yeah imagine just a horse taking over your entire realm one thing i wanted to talk about is her sprite it makes it like really unclear if she has an arm or not maybe it's like behind her back or maybe it's just like cut off at the shoulder yeah maybe she really is a one-armed bandit (laughs) (laughs) if she does have an arm it's then it's like really well drawn her right arm is just reaching behind her because she has to grab that big iron on her hip (laughs) (laughs) but anyway obviously if she was supposed to be one-handed then it's kind of weird that it's not mentioned anywhere she probably just has two arms and we don't see the other one. Perspective is hard. She's just flicking her hair back so that it billows dramatically with her other hand. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Like, it would be nice to have more disabled Tohos, but I don't think that Saki is one of yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, here's hoping. It'd be very interesting to see, but I don't know if we'll ever even find out, because I guess it depends on if she's gonna make any appearances in feature works. 
Well, she'll probably get drawn in the next symposium. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There would be kind of an interesting film with being one-armed and having, having like, unmatched leg strength. Yeah. Half the arm strength and way more the leg strength. I guess. Yeah, it's like a superhero origin thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't go to arm day anymore, so now I'm going to do leg day every day. <laughs> <laughs> Saki arrives yeah. at the Hakure Shrine and destroys the staircase with fearsome squats. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about Saki? No. She's, she's got a lot of potential. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> I think everyone was sort of blindsided yeah. by her design, and she they don't tell us much about her other than that she wears a cowboy hat. Other than that, she's really strong, she's really gay, and she's a Pegasus Yakuza. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so weird that with her, I mean, her theme being literally named Prince Shortikus Pegasus, that's like one of the most explicit mythology references in the whole series. But then her profile has literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't mention her origin <laughs> at all. Which means that might be explored later. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. She does have access to the human world, so Mm -hmm. maybe she'll run into her. She's definitely a sort of character whose gimmick translates well to a different playstyle in the fighting games too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm. we'll see her in the future. Yes, hopefully. Legendary. I think, Zun, Zun, please, this town is big enough for the both of us. (laughs) (laughs) I swear that's my last cowboy song, Joe. <laughs> oh no. Uh, any more material that we want to cover? We talked mo- about the themes when we were talking about the characters, so yeah. there's yeah. not really that much. Do we have anything from the mailbag this week? We have one mailbag question, but before we get to that, I want to ask everyone so, what's your favorite character from this game? I like Yachie because she's evil, but I also like Keiki more just generally because she's just so nice. Yeah. And I think she's a really cool god. Yeah, Keiki's a very compelling character. Keiki is definitely my favorite from like a character perspective, and I think her design work is really good too. Yeah, her design yeah. is definitely my favorite. Yeah. I think it's a kind of a split between like Keiki and Saki, but the big thing is that, you know, Saki has a funny personality, but she's basically like Yugi in yeah. that sense. She's a strong strong girl who likes she's fighting Yugi and Tugi. I, I love them both, but like there's more to talk about with yeah. Keiki, I think. But obviously, since I'm a huge Miko fan, I'm going to like love Saki if there's <laughs> absolutely anything about Miko. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think I pretty much have to go with me here. It's a split between Biachi and Keiki. Uh, girl hot, I guess. Watch Naruto? Don't watch Naruto, actually. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> World cold and hard, terracotta colder and harder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to agree with Keiki being my favorite character just in terms of character. But design-wise, it still has to be Kotaka. Like, I love her. She's so good. Bakak! Absolutely beautiful. Bakak. So from the mailbag, we have one question, which is from Stoneship Mapper. What is your favorite god character, and which god do you think has had the most influence on the story since appearing? I feel like most influence really isn't in question. I think that's Kanako, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kanako has to... definitely has the most yeah. 
influence since appearing. Okina probably has the most influence on the setting as a whole, but Kaneko's definitely had the most in, like, the span of time since she's appeared to now. Yeah, she's always getting in people's mm. business and starting stuff and just incidents everywhere. My favorite god is Suakovo because she's just gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love Suako because the whole frog aesthetic is, like has nothing to do with, like, her or her powers or like she's not the god of frogs she just likes frogs she'll curse you to death and she likes frogs she just really loves frogs and that's so valid she'll just hand you a frog my favorite god though before wily beast and weakest creature i think i would have said okina because i really like okina okina is definitely one of my favorite yeah she's she's really strong like as a character in terms of like just sheer potential for what you could actually do with her and like her impact on the story. She has more potential for the future than even Kanako does, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I really want to like yeah. learn more about her. I really want to see more about her past and like what's she been doing? Yeah, what's she been doing? What, what does she want yeah. to do aside from be noticed? And I really want to see her interacting with the other sages more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see more sage interaction yeah. in general. I'd like to see yeah. more sages in general. Honestly, Just yeah. give us 16 sages. <laughs> More of them. Then it'll be fine. <laughs> have them all work together horribly. Yeah. I do think that I have to say I... that my favorite god now is Keiki because god, I love her. I love her. She's perfect. She's, Look at she's her. She's very good. Just what an amazing character. Yeah. Love her. I guess my like three favorite gods are all from Legacy of Thronic Kingdom. And by that I obviously mean Hakaria, Hakaria, <laughs> and Hakaria. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, uh, three, three, three gods in one. I didn't mention Hikachi. I just she's like a different yep. category of god, I guess. Yeah, she's still a god, so I think in the the scope of the question, it is a fair answer. Yeah, she's just not a Shinto god. Yeah, and she hasn't ended up being like that influential in the setting, even though that's been the occasional thing, and she obviously had a big role in like alternative yeah. facts. I just like her, like in general, and in fan works and in. In what we do see of her. Yeah, she's good. She has a very good wife. She is three very good wives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ultimate yeah. wife. Yeah, but actually on the, like, lol cave front, I actually, Sagume would be my runner-up. But basically for the same reasons, I just like something about her, even though we really don't get that much. Sagume yeah. is very good. She's end. also full of potential. Sagume would probably be my favorite of the characters if we're allowed to use the Lunarians. Well, she's a god. Uh, some people mm. who maybe aren't as lore pedantic as I am will cla- say, well, Lunarians are different because they're on the moon. And I'm like, nah. They're a Matsukami and we have an Amatsukami who's not on the moon now, so there's no reason to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was tempted to say the Aki sisters for my favorite god, but then I realized I couldn't actually keep a straight face while saying that. Hey, I will defend the Akis as characters. They are good characters. Yeah, I love them, but they're not much. They're good characters, they're just not very influential or interesting. They're very humble. And they're not my favorites, anyways. I think that I would probably have to have a two-way tie between uh, Hikadia and Keiki now. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of that is because nice. they're, hmm. they're very high-level ideological characters, I guess you could say. They're very willing to promote their worldviews and talk about them directly. Hmm. I appreciate that a lot because 
That's a very godlike thing to do. So they're we're really more godlike mm-hmm. gods than we've had before. And they're very Shin Megami Tensei. We sort of had a lot of jokes about yeah. Hikaria being SMT Chaos before now, and now we have mm. uh, Keiki and the Beast Spirits as well. So Zun been drinking that SMT juice, and I like that. I kind of want to say some interaction between, since we obviously, besides that, they're now a god of hell and a god, well, not of the beast. And also, notably, Keiki is the first Amatsukami to be openly that in Gensokyo. Yeah. Or in the vicinity of Gensokyo. Mm. Because even if we count... Well, she's coming to Gensokyo, so... Even if we count uh, Eren as Omoekane, she's nominally Eren, the completely unremarkable and Normal. innocent person living in the middle of the bamboo with a bunch of rabbits. Yeah, it's gonna be awkward when they run into each other. Who has mysteriously never been attacked by yokai for some reason, who makes miraculous medicine, but don't worry, guys. She's cool. Don't worry about it. She can get you the best drugs. Yeah. <laughs> if Hikati is allowed, I will also include her as one of my favorites. Yes. I don't see why she wouldn't be allowed. Yay. Yeah. I, I, I figured the question meant like a Shinto god, but uh, I guess not necessarily. We The question can be whatever we decide it is. Exactly. We are the masters of our own fates. We create our own destiny. Create. 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 <laughs> this is really working, is it? I was not going to let that one <laughs> rot on the vine. These cakey um, memes are going to go and get me through a lot of uh, entertainment value, I suspect. So do we have anything else to say about the gods? They're good. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my friend, okay. the world's only Yuka and Shizuha shipper. Your friend is very powerful. That's actually kind of cute. <laughs> oh my god, your friend is unbelievably powerful. Maybe like... When mm. we're in mid-February, we can do the Toho Rare Pairs episode. Oh my god. That would be fun, honestly. I'd love to do that. I would, too. Mm. Uh, I think if we don't have anything else to say about the gods, that's the show this week. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for listening to yeah. Outside World Occultism. Our creation. This is where the Wily Beast and Weakest Creature spoilers end, if you've been worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any ideas for what to talk about next week? We'll figure it out. This puts a nice capstone on the last few episodes. We can talk about the Wild and Horned Hermit ending and yell about that. (laughs) Yes, we could. We can get that one out of the way. We have to get all of our angry episodes out of the way sometime. Once again, thanks for listening. From everyone here on the Satellite Torifune, uh, see you next week, hopefully. Bye. See you next week. Next week. Don't forget to send in your questions. Oh.